Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. And we've got a treat this week, uh, another special guest. And this time I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, a guy that I've known for about 30 years. His name's Luke Brown. We learned to scuba dive together back in 1987, I think. And I met Luke first when he was a young Air Force engineer. And Luke's going to share some of the experiences around project management. And just to set the scene, Luke worked in project management in defense, uh, in acquiring aircraft. And we're talking here about multi-billion dollar projects. These are huge projects, often taking a decade or even longer, involving hundreds of people on the project team. So these are not small projects. So here's Luke to explain some of his insights around project management. Hello, yes, uh, my name's Luke Brown. I'm an aircraft engineer by trade. Uh, I've worked in the field on aircraft and then a, a project management for acquiring aircraft. And uh, more recently, I'm uh, working in space acquisitions in satellites and communications. And so that's what I do. Cool. And so what you're going to share with us today is some of your experiences around project management and the way we approach projects. So I'll let you start uh, maybe with the first project that you, uh, that you worked on and what that was like. Sure. So I'm actually an ex-Air Force engineer. So I worked on aircraft in the Air Force. And I realized uh, that I'd really like to get into the, the business of acquiring aircraft uh, uh, for the Air Force. And I got into that sort of work uh, as an engineer. So I started initially working as an engineer. And because I was so interested in it, I did a lot of the courses about project management to try and learn to be good at it as quickly as I could. And th those courses taught me that what I needed to do to succeed were to have really good project plans, to have well-developed uh, project schedules and the specifications to support the work. And that if you had all those in place and worked them well between all of the stakeholders, that that would provide success. And that structured approach uh, really appealed to me as an engineer because essentially you were designing the work. And so it was a design process basically. So that, that uh, so because it appealed to me, I thought this is really, I can, I can be good at this because it's really part of what I knew how to do. And so I worked very hard at doing exactly that on my first project, which was to buy a transport aircraft for the, the Air Force. And right from the start, from the specification stage, uh, I built the things as described by those, those courses and put a lot of work and effort into that. And um, was very excited about the products that we'd produced with the contractors. And inside a couple of years of working all of those things, the project did start to go off the rails. We started to fall behind, not quite get agreements on where we were going with the, uh, the performance. And I sort of tried to understand this because I thought, well, we put everything in place, didn't we? So I spoke to people around the organisation and essentially there was... The feedback I was getting was that clearly we didn't have a good enough plan and a good enough schedule because that's why we weren't achieving the schedule so that you needed to be better at doing that. And so I continued that and say so my next project that I worked on, another aircraft project, I thought I'll be better this time right from the start. I'll have a better plan to start with and a more detailed schedule and we'll talk through it much more carefully. We'll take longer. We'll break it down and we'll all understand it. And so I, I did that and put that in place. 
And inside a couple of years, we're starting to move off track again. And I saw similar things start to happen. We were falling behind schedule. We were not hitting the performance targets we were looking for. Disagreements started to occur. And it starts to get in a bit of a, you know, the momentum starts to become one of sort of negativity rather than positivity. And I thought, okay, what's going wrong this time? Talking to senior people. And uh, uh, essentially, I was getting the same uh, guidance some years later and another project, which was, you obviously needed a better plan and the way to recover it was to go back and rewrite your plan. And obviously you needed a better schedule and you didn't spend enough time with the contractor on the schedule. And so, um, I could, okay, next project I worked on, I was actually embedded with the company in Europe uh, to work on this particular project. I'm more in the project management phase of my career at this stage. And so I was a senior project manager embedded in the company uh, to work with them side by side. I had weekly schedule reviews. I had monthly deep dives, risk analysis to go through the schedule. So I'm not going to get it wrong this time. We're going to really drive that schedule and focus on it. And inside a couple of years, we're starting to move off track. And uh, the same sort of things. We're behind schedule, arguments about performance. And I'm starting to think now, to that point, I thought believe that the, these problems were that I wasn't good enough at it. And that was the point when I started to think, maybe it's not me. Maybe there's something else to this. I'm seeing the same pattern, doing the same thing. I'm doing exactly what the course has told me. I'm doing exactly what our senior execs were telling me. I'm writing schedules. We're working on it. The mantra that I had at the time, which was plan the work and work the plan, uh, was how you achieve success. And that wasn't working. And I was starting to think that, well, no, maybe it's not me. Maybe there's something else I'm not doing right, uh, but that doesn't seem to be working. There's something missing. So I deliberately went searching for that, something missing for me. I uh, searched out people in my organisation who I respected and were respected by the organisation for being successful in difficult circumstances, either very complex projects or projects that were struggling and that they had helped uh, bring them to success. And so I, I sought out successful people and asked them what was it that they thought gave them success. And the interesting thing I started to see there was that they weren't telling me that they succeeded on having highly detailed schedules. They told uh, almost to a person they were telling me, every one of them almost were telling me they succeeded by how well they worked with each other, how well the team worked, how well that they got to know all of the main people in their broader team, including their contractors, uh, and how they worked together, their relationships were the foundation to the success. And I'm thinking, well, that's not what I've been taught. Uh, that's different from everything that everyone's been saying for years and all the courses have been telling me. And then around about that time, I also uh, pursued uh, some further learning and I did a master's program in complex project management. And the interesting thing about that is that it focused very much on teams and relationships, more so than it focused on helping you write a schedule and a contract uh, which tends to be the discussion of clearly your contract wasn't good enough. It was actually more about the relationship piece. And that reinforced to me this piece that I was hearing from people practically who successful people in my business, uh, the, the, the practical advice they were giving me. 
And so it turned out the very next project I had was that I moved into a project that was later in its, uh, in, in, in its life cycle. Uh, and it was off track. We were in significant argument, uh, uh, dispute with the main contractor and had been for some years. When I moved into that project the, uh, as the project director now, and I was given the role to try and deliver that project, uh, try and turn it around and deliver it. So I took these tools, this different viewpoint of uh, focusing on the relationship rather than on the contract, rewriting a contract or rewriting a schedule or a project plan. And uh, really focused on understanding why people were struggling, understanding where they were all coming from. Let's talk together. So I sat down to talk with people rather than bring the lawyers together to argue contracts. And over a period of about a year, trying to turn that, the whole team around to a view of how do we work together to succeed rather than how do we prove we were right, uh, which tend to be a lot of the discussion. And inside, we went from a project that was publicly viewed as being unsuccessful. We were uh, you know, working with our, our government who were looking at it as being what was known as a pro major project of concern. And there were concerns about whether we were going to actually deliver the, the aircraft, the capability at all uh, that we needed. And then the process that uh, we followed where we focused on the people, focused on a different way of trying to solve it. Inside a year, we were suddenly moving, we were suddenly, inside a year of hard work, we were moving forward again. And inside a second year, we had actually delivered most of the capability. And the only difference between, and actually the 10 years before those two, the difference was instead of focusing on pulling the contract out and talking about the, uh, who was right and who was wrong, we focused on forming a team who were trying to deliver it to the end. We focused on the people. And that reinforced to me the bit that I'd learnt in the years coming up to that, that rather than the plan, the work, work, the plan approach, you needed a plan, you needed to have a foundation, you needed the things that people could talk about what we're delivering, but genuine success came from the people, came from the relationships. And so actually it was I moved my mantra to plan the work and work with the people. And that, that's the difference that, that I got from uh, that whole process for me, rather than that there's a simple process that you follow and if you do it well, you will succeed. Uh, I came to the conclusion that that doesn't guarantee success. What you need for success is to actually have really good relationships and to work well with people. And that's how it came out for me. What a great story. That's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's always great to hear that longer sort of story every now and then. I can imagine young project managers sort of hanging off Luke's every word, right, as he tells something like that. Um, primarily, I think it's because it's got so many little lessons in there. And yeah. we'll talk more about that, right? But Definitely. What, what, what is in the story for you, Mark, that uh, helps that story work? You know, what are some of the elements that you like? One of the elements I really like is is Luke's real sense of purpose, where he is so 
committed. He's so bought into the importance of project management and it's how it's so suitable for an engineering mindset. And but but then how dedicated he is to get it right. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, he's looking out for every little trick and tip and, you know, he wants to do it right. Absolutely. Working hard to get it right. And not just because that's the sort of person Luke is, but because this is, this is, these are huge things. There's enormous, there's an enormous amount of money, time, capability at stake. In fact, you sort of get a bit of a nice insight into his character just through that element, right? Yeah. Joe, for me, one of the things I, really love and it sort of really struck me in terms of how important it is to do this in stories is that he tells three examples of failure essentially so that when the listener hears it they start to see for themselves a pattern it's almost like they get the pattern before he tells them the pattern you know you had the first failure the second failure third stories by the way love threes i know it's it's a thing but i reckon it's a, it's literally a sort of a triangulation for the listener they're going okay yeah one example well that could just be you know bad luck An occurrence yeah, yeah second example okay maybe there's a coincidence third example okay now we have a pattern happening here right yep. so i think that's lovely um really makes me realize that if i was going to go and pitch something a change in an organization and I want to marshal my evidence, having the one good story is not going to be enough, right? You have to have, you know, at least three events happening that are, um, you know, illustrating the point that you want to make, right? And I think if you have that that strategy where you look for those three, essentially data points, yes, and then you present them in that way, it becomes really compelling. Yeah. Now, a single story on its own is often compelling, but... If you're trying to make a case, it's high stakes, critical, you want to make sure that you get the approval or the agreement mm. or the influence, then having the three is great. Now, we were talking about how this is a really, that, that story is a really, gave a really useful insight into that, uh, that triangulation approach. Yes, yeah. So I think too, if you, Luke didn't quite do this. I felt his, each story is almost like equally weighted, you know. And he was puzzled, you know, like, oh, but they teach me all the other things, you know, and first goes wrong, second, third go wrong. I wonder whether if you if you had, I'm not saying you manufacture this, but if you had examples where it's an escalation of error, how whether that would have an even bigger impact on on the impact of that story. Well, it became evident later in the story, but one of those escalations was that Luke had progressively senior roles until the final project where he decided to take a completely different approach. He was the project director. He was the he w- was running the whole thing. The whole thing was his responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Power helps. Well, it does. But it also, <laughs> uh, by the time he got to that level, he had the very clear insight into the things to, that work and the things that, that weren't working and that he could, yeah, he could make the difference. Well, there was another element, of course, in this, and that is he went out and he sought a solution to this he he realized there was a pattern of something's going wrong i'm being taught the wrong thing here but what's the right answer so he went out and he did like almost like the equivalent of a bright spots activity didn't he went to try to find the people who do it well and asked them well, what do you do what the hell do you do to make these things happen so often we go out and find out and i don't in some ways it's a bit surprising because an engineer would often go to where it's not working and work out what the solution is Right. Whereas he's sort of gone the other way and sort of said, okay, where is it working? How can we do more of that and come out with a new approach? Well, he so did, he did nice. that in that 
towards as he started to have that realization that it wasn't him, that perhaps there was a flaw in the approach that was being advocated to him. Yeah. And it wasn't it. about him executing that approach more effectively. It was about realizing there was a completely different approach. Yeah. Do I do? Um, there's so many nice. Uh, is there anything before we jump into? I'm, I'm sort of excited to jump into the, <laughs> the idea of some of the lessons in this story. But uh, are there other elements that, in the telling of the story, that jump out for you that you like or you know stood out for you in any way? Well, I, I like some of his his little mantras. Right. Yes. So could. What what ones do you recall? Well, I recall there was one around uh, plan the work, work the plan. Absolutely. Yeah, you hear that a lot in defence. Yes. That alliteration actually helps a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, too bad it's an alliteration hanging you up the wrong tree, right? But he, has <laughs> a lot, but he of course, he gets to the, to the his new version, his new mantra. Can you remember the new mantra, Mark? Plan the work, work with the people. Yeah, work with the people. I, I remember when I first heard this story, I retold it, and my version of the mantra, which I came off terribly, right, <laughs> as I said, plan the work, work the people. <laughs> Don't do that. That's yeah. that's not a good yeah. thing. Work with the people. Yeah, work with much better people. Much yeah. better. Um, I, 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 I kind of liked that he took over this project, the, the final project, which was in bad state, and, and it was on the government's list of projects, major projects of concern. It's a beautiful euphemism, isn't it? Talk about an understatement. (laughs) You know, like when billions of dollars are at risk and they have a list which everyone's trembling in their boots about, and it's called the Projects of Major Concern. No, Major Projects of Concern. Um, Oh, I see. This is different, right? (laughs) Major Projects of Concern. Because, I don't know, they need to come up with a scarier title, don't they? (laughs) Now, what about the things that can make this story even better? Like, if you know, if you were in there doing a bit of the coaching, what would be the one thing that you would start with? Well, well, I know that there's some things that from conversations with Luke about some of the things that um, he, he really remembers about this final project. Yep. And one of them was how to, about a year into the project when they were really starting to get traction with the approach around uh, work the plan, work with the people, that embedded their staff in the contractors organization the contractor staff in there and so it was it was and it, and it completely changed and one of the senior engineers walked into his office and she sat down on the edge of his desk and just said look i just want to tell you a year ago i hated coming to work like i'd get up on a monday morning and i felt like a huge cloud a huge weight was on my shoulders because i just didn't want to go to work because right. this place was awful and now i love it i come to work excited because we are making a difference and she said, I want to thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nice. Of course, that's dialogue. It's, you know, it's concrete. You can visualize it. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's having those little tiny little moments that bring it to life. Sadly, I, I was at a funeral this weekend and my wife gave the uh, sort of like a speech, not quite a eulogy, but a, a talk. And the, I could, of course, I know, this is this is the problem when you're in the story world. You sort of got this ear out for it at the time. I'm going to suggest that you say something positive now. Very positive, because what happened was uh, there was this little story that Sheena told, which was around how uh, Catherine and Larry met, and she said, "Oh, I got this phone call, a sheepish oh, phone call. I thought it was nice. yes, sheepish phone call." I said, uh, "Sheena, would you like to? You and Sean like to come to dinner?" And we went to dinner to. Uh, uh, the Rubicon restaurant, 
And there was Catherine sitting next to guess, guess who? And of course, we all knew it was Larry. Sorry. And and you just had this, and you could feel this little frisson in the room of, uh, uh, and laughter, right? At this kind of, you know, really serious sort of uh, uh, thing that was happening. Uh, those little concrete moments just make all the difference. Yeah, yeah definitely. And well, look, I was there and, and I, I remember that so well. It, tiny little thing only took her maybe 30, 40 seconds yep. to tell. And she had the room in the palm of her hand. Everybody was going, yeah. what's, that? what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was beautiful. So, so what about for you? What, for, for you, uh, how would you, uh, if you were giving some coaching, how would you advise on how to make that even better? Um, I think I would try to, I don't know, maybe crunch it down a little bit. Because it, it's, even though it had lots of uh, interesting ins and outs, and I think some of the repetition made it feel like this was a slog, which it was, right? Of so course, I thought that was yeah. nice. I don't know, is it some way to crunch it down a little bit more than it is? But I, I quite liked it. I mean, I, I can imagine a group of graduate project managers absolutely sitting on the edge of their seats you know, hanging off every word because these are the lessons that you're not going to get, uh, obviously, through the education department. Now, this is the thing that amazed me, that you had years and years of obviously maybe university professors or whoever it might have been teaching this one way, which must have been costing that department, you know, a fortune. Oh, and think about it's not just the project that Luke's working on. This philosophy is right across mm. the project management world. And if you look at the Prince2 methodology or the PM Bock, it's just so embedded in those approaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to work the plan. Schedule is very important. Get the schedule. Tighten it up. Weekly meetings to discuss the schedule. Yeah. Hold the contractor's foot to the fire. Uh, don't all let them get away with anything. All that language. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah, I think that would be um, one thing I would do. And and I, you know. I love the Malcolm Gladwell approach to uh, bringing characters into his story. You know, he'll he'll sort of say uh, things like, um, "Yeah, then I remember the day I met John. You know, he was a he was a chunky guy, you know, short, bald fellow, probably in his fifties. You know, just a little uh, snapshot of so that you see that. So when that woman comes into the office to be able to do something like that, you don't have to do much, and you don't have to do it everywhere." But for those main characters, bring them in so that again, so we can see them. Okay, and just that reminds for me, or reminds for me, that reminds me of another opportunity to make that story even better, which is to talk about the moment when he first had the first conversation with a successful project manager who told him a completely different way, and the how he felt in that moment, yeah. where the guy's telling him something completely different. So, kind of having that first, that yeah, first, that first insight, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Cool. cool. So, how how would we use this? in a business context. And I'd like to get going because I hadn't thought of this until the course of that conversation we're just having. But if you were, if, if Luke was asked to give a talk about leadership, you just, he could just tell that story. It shows so many things about leadership, uh, particularly the ability to contrast the management view, which is plan, organize, control, direct. Oh, okay, right. With the leadership view, which is about coordinating people, building relationships, and allowing people to be successful. Yeah. I also think it would be a great story at a leadership, if he was talking on leadership, because it's about vulnerability, because he is fessing up to the fact that he got it wrong for years and years yeah. and thought it was his fault and just worked harder and harder. So 
that's one way you can I think use it's, that I think it's great. And the other one that really stood out for me is that when Luke discovered that it was about planning the work and then working the plan and it was about the schedules and it just fitted his worldview as an engineer and he locked into it almost immediately because, you know, it makes so much sense. It's like two pieces of the puzzles just going together, snapping together and you go, wow, that's right. It would... the. The, story, the preface to this story would be something along the lines of, look, I want you to be, be wary of the worldview. You know, are you just accepting something because it fits into your own way of work, way of thinking? Is it actually evidence-based? Does it actually work that way? Go and talk to the people who are successful because maybe they do it a different way. Yeah, so I agree. Beware the worldview. Yeah. And I think there is a completely set... Well, you could you could use it to make a separate business point, which is around beware who you get advice from. Yeah, right, right. Because he went and spoke to a lot of people who told him to do the thing, which is the the theory thing. Work the plan, pl- uh, plan the work, work the plan. Get your schedule tighter. Get your plan tighter. Work the contractor harder. And It's so true. And my, my daughter came to me when she got her first job. And uh, which is a few years back, and she said, uh, my daughter Georgia, and she said that, uh, Dad, you know, you know, getting some money now. He said, What what should I do um, financially? I said, Look, I'll give you some advice. First thing is, only get advice from people who are successfully financially. So don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but she's lived that out. She now finds people who do have that experience because everyone wants to give you advice. It seems so, you know, natural for, oh, well, of course I've got these great advice to give you. Uh, but you've got to get it from the people who actually have had success in it, right? But we also need to be careful of how we define success mm. because success does not mean somebody who is in a position of power. No, no, there's lots, so, of, lots of different So if ways. you need to find people who have already been successful in the way that you want to be successful. True. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be clear on that definition. Yeah. And the reason I kind of draw that distinction is because Luke went and asked people who who from one perspective could be viewed as successful in that they have been promoted up the, the ranks of the hierarchy to a position of power. Yeah. So but have from they one perspective, projects? then that's the way. <laughs> but, but have they successfully delivered difficult projects? Yeah. And yeah. so when Luke went and spoke to the people that had, he got a completely different uh, piece of it or different uh, worldview. Perspective, yeah. So, uh, so that is another... I think good business point is just to be aware of who you get advice from. Beware of the difference between theory and practice. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's good. Right. Well, I think it's probably time for us to look at a bit of a rating for this um, and uh, get your thoughts on that. Well, so I told the story, so you get to go first. Okay. Well, just to, just so the pattern is maintained. You know, there's a couple of reasons I really love this story. Um, it's great to be able to tell stories from, you know, very senior people in important organisations, right? So now I've got essentially Australia's space agency head, Luke, telling this story. So that's in itself will give it a certain a level of cachet. Absolutely. Right? But secondly... It's a story I could tell easily, you know. This is, you know, I can remember the three uh, failures. You know, I'll, I'll get it wrong in, you know, all the details and stuff like that. But generally speaking, you know, I can tell that story. And I can tell the turnaround. It's like something that for easy... I'm going to give this 
Um, well, I was going to say eight, but I'm going eight and a half. Whoa, whoa! You know, I'm kicking it right up there. You are totally. You're. That's. <laughs> I think that is. I, I, I think that's your second highest score on the podcast. I ever. think so. I think so. Right. Uh, so I love it, and I'm giving it an eight. Terrific. Well, guys, that's another story. We're going to be bringing you a few more interesting guests in the future. We won't give that away right at the moment, but uh, we're going to have a few more best guests. But if you have a recommendation for a guest who would think would be fantastic on our show, who's got a good story to tell that could be told by other people, that's the thing. That's the important thing we're trying to do here. We're trying to build your story repertoire. We want you to have more stories in your back pocket, hey, Mark? Sort of... So Definitely. that, you know, you can tell these off the top of your head. And, and for example, with this story that we just heard from Luke, we all, well, I say we all, many of us have the situation where there's people that we work with that want to have a process for everything. And that's a great story that you can use, that anyone can use to argue that maybe it's not process that's going to make the difference and it's not process that's going to be the only thing that makes us successful. Yeah. So kind of disarm them uh, using a, a, an example from a very experienced, very senior uh, executive yeah fantastic well guys i think we'll wrap it up there i guess thanks again for listening to um anecdotally speaking and yeah we're looking forward to you tuning in next week for another episode of how to put your stories to work